Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship. Baseball? We'll find out whatever that means on this episode of Cracker Jack. to Cracker Jack, everybody. I feel like it's been a while. We've taken some time off to get reacquainted with the Half a Star universe, uh, as well as premiering a new thing called Drunk Musicals. If you haven't heard it, you should check it out. But that's not why I'm here today. I'm not here to promote my other projects. I'm here to talk about somebody else's projects, and also a show from the 90s. So, without further ado, let's get right into it. I grew up as a, as, a, as a Trekkie, I suppose you could say, a Trekker, some people prefer. I think it's safe to say that my guest this week also grew up that way, although we're going to get into that in a second. But believe it or not, folks, this works out because Star Trek has a baseball episode. I know, it's crazy. I mean, I already knew that being a Trekkie, but maybe you didn't know that, so that's exciting. And also exciting is that we have... I would, I would say it's fair to say one of PEI's foremost Star Trek experts on the show. Oh, gosh. We'll talk about the show. He is a stand-up comedian. He is a podcast impresario. He is general, finely-dressed man about town. Uh, and he's got so many projects that he's going to want to talk about, but I'm going to make him wait until the end of the show to do so. Please welcome to the show my friend and yours, Mr. Sam McDonald. Sam, welcome to Cracker Jack. How are you? I'm good. How about you, Ben? Yeah, you know, doing okay, trying to chase the February sads away with a little hollow sweet shenanigans. <laughs> is that a euphemism for a sad lamp? You know, it is what it is. I think <laughs> okay. it could be multiple things at once. <laughs> yeah, uh, Star Trek. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your your relationship with Star Trek, I would assume, goes back a fair ways. We've never really talked about it. I think I just assumed it's been a lifelong thing for you. Oh, God, Yeah. It, mainly the next generation that's that's uh that's where i started out um i mean that came out in 87 when i was like three years old i i was literally just glued to the tv not literally yes yeah 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 i've had some shit happen in my life but not that and and it's just a comfort food to me i turn on star trek if i'm having a bad day uh and it just uh allows me to think that you know maybe maybe we can have a uh a, a, a better world someday where we live in uh what's the term uh, uh fully automated gay luxury space communism <laughs> uh you know all our needs are met and we just we just fuck off to the stars yeah exactly <laughs> it's i think find adventure it can't be overstated how therapeutic i find the constant white noise of the ship I literally go to sleep at night with a 10-hour loop <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> okay. The Enterprise D humming. <laughs> okay, so 
I am fully vindicated in my choice of guest for this episode then. Yes, that is, yes. There are your credentials and your bona fides <laughs> laid out bare for the world to see. I appreciate and, it. And I mean, we, we don't have a name for it yet, but uh, there is a, a Star Trek podcast in the works. Oh, That uh, right. I'm going to be heading up. So uh, yeah. keep your eyes out for that thing that I don't have a name for yet. Well, you've heard it here first, listeners. That is a Cracker Jack exclusive, an unnamed Star Trek podcast uh, coming from Sam McDonald. Now, Sam, this is, it's an episode about Star Trek, uh, but this is primarily a baseball podcast. So yes. I need to do my due diligence Absolutely. and make sure that uh, we at least talk about baseball a little bit during the time we spend together. So I'm going to start with our traditional opening questions here on Cracker Jack. The first of which is, what is your relationship, if any, to the game of baseball? My relationship with baseball, I, I love baseball video games. Okay. Specifically arcade baseball, mm -hmm. uh, arcade style uh, baseball games. I have really severe attention deficit disorder. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like diagnosed fully. And watching baseball, mm -hmm. there's so many stops and starts that I just lose focus. Like no matter how hard I try. I love it though. I, I do love baseball. I love, uh, like I say, playing games, you know, like old, uh, uh, like RBI baseball and the NES. I played the hell out of that as a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, Ken Griffey Jr.'s uh, uh, home run baseball uh, for the SNES. Um, a classic. I, yeah, I, I, I went buck fucking wild on a mini game in the game Yakuza 6. <laughs> <laughs> Where you are a tough Yakuza man yeah. <laughs> with a heart of gold who decides to help yeah. a small town farm league baseball team to achieve their dreams. Now, I'm not surprised you say this because for the listeners out there, there are like five things that Sam talks about on the internet. One of them is Star Wars. One of them is Star Trek. Pardon me. One of them is stand-up comedy. One of them is his fiance. And another one is Yakuza. Yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, I shouldn't have been surprised that that was going to be uh, part of Sam's baseball tapestry, but uh, it caught me off guard all the same, and I appreciate that. Listen, you can get a man with a giant orange for a head playing baseball with you. It's fucking great. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, with your familiarity with the game, then I will move on to our second question. Let's say we're in some sort of parallel timeline since we're doing a Star Trek episode today. <laughs> and instead of uh, Zodiac signs, everyone looks up their uh, baseball position and uses that as sort of their personality matrix for getting through life. What would you say is your Zodiac baseball position? Hmm. Well, I would say uh, a pitcher because I, uh, I I am in fact a bit of a belly itcher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, hernia surgery about a year ago, and there's a little scar above my my belly button, and uh, that gets a little itchy. But uh, that's probably not the answer you're looking for. I don't you're mind for it. More of a personality yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I, I think I'd be. Um, are there towel boys? <laughs> You could be, you could, <laughs> you could be an equipment manager. Yeah, sure. Equipment manager. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. I'd be really excited. And I'd be like, listen, this one, 
This one's the one for you. Okay. You know, it'd be like giving someone their their wand in Harry Potter. Yeah. Okay. You know, this 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 bat has a a, a phoenix feather cord. <laughs> make you <laughs> pop those dingers just right out of there. Yeah. There you go. I uh, we won't necessarily delve into the psychology of choosing a baseball position that never takes the field, but like I sure. respect that. I respect that you're thinking outside the box or outside the foul lines. I suppose is a word. Just want to help. Yeah. That's right. The... <laughs> Yeah. Okay, cool. So we've got the concentrated baseball portion of the episode out of the way so mm -hmm. far. So let's get into the actual episode that we're talking about. So this is a season seven episode of Deep Space Nine entitled Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite. <laughs> and Star Trek has a habit of building up these sort of season long arcs or in the case of Deep Space Nine, really a series long arc. Well, it was uh, one of the first ever shows to, to actually yeah. do that serialized right. uh, connective story across an entire show, yeah. Yeah, and and they, they right before the season finales of these shows, when everything kind of gets to the highest stakes it can possibly be, they insert one of these weird low pressure stakes, release. Re pressure release valve sort of episodes that tend to either take place in a holodeck or a hollow suite. <laughs> sort of allowing these professionally trained Shakespearean actors that always seem to end up in Star Trek somehow <laughs> to put on tights and either pretend that they're Robin Hood and they're married men or baseball players or Sherlock Holmes or a lounge singer in a jazz club or something like that. And this is very much in that um, tradition, I suppose you could say, of Star Trek episodes. So yeah, a Vulcan warship docks at Deep Space Nine and is in need of some very deep uh, invasive repairs to its warp core and its drive systems and all that sort of thing. And it just so happens that the captain of this ship is a long-standing rival of uh, the emissary of the Bajoran people slash commanding officer of Deep Space Nine, Benjamin Sisko. And for some reason, this Vulcan decides that the way to have a pissing contest in this particular episode <laughs> is to play a baseball game. And so we get to see a sweet training montage of all of the uh, senior staff members of Deep Space Nine going through a training sequence to learn how to play baseball in two weeks. And then they go and have a baseball game and many lessons were learned along the way and fun was had by all, I suppose. Uh, am I missing anything in that synopsis, Sam, that you want to point out before we get started? Uh, no, that, that's, that's pretty much it. Boy, I, j just, just, a, just a spoiler warning. I'm going to go in hard on Vulcans here, okay? <laughs> I, if you're a Star Trek fan, and you, I know some of them really like their Vulcans, especially the, the kind that uh, argue on the internet a lot. Uh, but holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's safe to say, Sam, that of all six of our listeners, there's probably at least one who's pro-Vulcan. So that's a good okay. disclaimer to all have right, right off right, the top. All right. All right. I don't um, want to come across as spacist. Yeah. You know? And it's hard. It's hard because the first Vulcan that we ever meet is Spock and Spock's great. We love, oh, we all fantastic. love Spock. Yeah. yeah. However, in subsequent series, whether it's TNG, whether it's Voyager, whether it's, you know, Deep Space Nine or Enterprise, Vulcans start getting a little holier than thou in a lot of ways and, and very snooty. Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll run fucking social experiments on humans. Right. Just yeah. for their own amusement exactly. to prove their superiority. And this <laughs> baseball game is, in effect, one of these Literally. experiments. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 
the, the, this guy, uh, so so it's uh, the, the whole idea is that Captain Cisco, uh, you know, the, the emissary of the prophets, one quarter God on his mother's side. Uh, <laughs> and like, that's like, that's a thing. And yes. it never gets any less silly the more I hear no, it. No, no. <laughs> it's perfect. I love it. I love the show so much. Yeah. I never really watched it much growing up, but it's it's kind of supplanted TNG is my favorite track. Yeah, let, let's talk about this because you and I both have a history of Star Trek fandom in our lives. Mm-hmm. I grew up on TNG just like you did, but I also remember being a kid and having Odo and Quark be my two favorite characters in all of Star Trek. So that must have come from a place of affection to Deep Space Nine somehow. But I don't really yeah. remember watching it as a kid. Yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I'd watch maybe a handful of episodes right up until the last few years. So like I'd watch maybe five or six episodes mm-hmm. of each season of uh, Deep Space Nine, or at least that I remembered. You know, I'd tune in a bunch, but I didn't remember much of them. Mm-hmm. I, I remember being weirded out by how blatantly horny it was <laughs> at times. <laughs> yeah, yep. No, that's fair. Um, they do not hide the fact that the hollow deck is for fucking. Oh yeah, no, it's it's like it's like right underneath lower decks in terms of like warts and all hollow deck usage. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I eventually uh, watched the, the the full series. Actually, actually, I still haven't been able to bring myself to watch the last episode. Really? Okay. I am so afraid. <laughs> to finish it all yeah um i i know what happens yeah. but i i don't i don't want it to i don't want to say goodbye to the best dad in the galaxy uh <laughs> rom, the two right? best dads yeah, yes, rom, yeah rom and cisco yeah rom and cisco are the two best dads yeah. in all of tv well and i i do have something i want to say about that in regards to this episode but i'm going to save it for later sure now where does cisco rank for you in terms of captains because i've seen this on the internet You've been posting about it. We've gotten into yes. debates about it ourselves. I think Cisco's up there in terms of good characters, but I don't know where he's at in terms of good captains. I can't separate those two. Mm-hmm. A good captain versus a great character. He's a great captain for the part of the universe he's in. Mm-hmm. Uh, this lawless <laughs> border town, basically. Yep. Uh, this wild west border town he is great for that i i love that uh, he is a uh, a character driven by emotion especially when you come off of uh picard mm-hmm. who was very stoic yeah. and uh process oriented and then we get this emotional character who who doesn't hide who he is from his uh friends and staff I think what I like so much about Deep Space Nine is that it it comes in hard right out of the gate. Yeah. Because Cisco makes it very clear that he hates Picard. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Picard literally killed his wife. Yeah. And so it's so cool to me that you spend seven seasons in The Next Generation worshipping this man. Yeah. And then in the first episode, you meet another Starfleet officer who is like, yo, fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like listen, fuck that, I know you were a Borg. Yeah, like fuck that guy specifically. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like that's yeah. it's such a strong note to start on. Yeah, because you're like, no, 
no, that's my space dad. You're, yeah, exactly. That's and then my you're like, oh, wait, space dad. Oh, wait, no, that this guy's actually my space dad. Yeah, little <laughs> did I know he was going to become my space dad. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, it was uh, such a jarring uh, thing. And and uh, you, d- you don't want to like him. They, mm-hmm. they, they really take a risk at the beginning of the series by having him literally tell Picard, hey, I'll listen to the orders you have to give me but you can go straight to hell as a person. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, so bold. Yeah. It did. So, so like they, they were setting themselves up for a challenge to go ahead and then like, Oh, hold up though, guys, we're going to make you love this man. Yeah. Well, and, and they did, they did us a favor too, by bringing in a couple of the next generation characters that fans really adored. Yes. Yeah. Like right off, right off the bat with O'Brien and then a little bit later on with Worf to kind of like help ease us into the transition. And I know I'm speaking to perhaps the biggest fan of both of those two men that possibly exists in the world. Especially. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Worf, I unfortunately identify with sometimes (laughs) when he's at his his emotionally I love the I love I think I saw somewhere on some meme page I subscribe to. It's like you don't deserve me at my O'Brien if you can't handle me at my wharf. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, actually, I sh- I need to find that because yeah. that was made for me. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, Deep Space Nine holds a special place in my heart because it's it's like the one series of Star Trek that really isn't interested in exploration very much because it takes place in a static location. To yeah, me, yeah. anyway, they have the wormhole kind of next door and everything, and they can go in and explore the Gamma Quadrant sometimes, but it really is about the galaxy coming to them instead of them going to the galaxy. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's uh, like, not to bring uh, the tone down a little too much, but like, you know, it's literally, they're, they're there to protect this world, Bajor, mm-hmm. that was inhabited by another uh, alien race, the Cardassians, mm-hmm. it was occupied. Like it's, it's they're, they're, they do not shy away from the uh, analogs to the Holocaust. Yeah, our, um, our mutual friend, Michelle Hooper once described Deep Space Nine to me as a uh, Game of Thrones in space, which I think just, just with those chess pieces moving around the board and stuff like that, like I, mm-hmm. I think, uh, I, it's a very apt uh, comparison. I say that never having watched Game of Thrones, but it sounds right to me. A little less brutal. Perhaps. But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So let's talk about the episode itself. Yeah. I think Avery Brooks as Benjamin Sisko must have petitioned for this episode to happen because he is a kid in a candy store in this episode. He's like all over the place in terms of acting choices. And I love it. I love every second of it, but he's just like, he's just exuding this energy and this light about being able to just go and play baseball for his job for a second. Yep. (laughs) They are in the middle of a war. The biggest war (laughs) the galaxy has ever seen. And, And he's at the dead center of it, but he takes his senior staff and all makes of them, them train for two weeks there's there, there's tens of thousands of people dying each minute <laughs> and he decides to take his senior staff to play a goddamn game of baseball because of a grudge <laughs> which uh, i guess we can get into uh shortly here. yeah but uh yeah it's it's just such a wild concept but like uh, uh avery brooks holy shit uh 
boy, he leans right into it. And you're right. The joy is there. He is, there's this one part where he's going, ha ha, woo, yeah. <laughs> and I just like, whoa, yes. We're going to fucking play some baseball. This yeah. is going to be great. And uh, there's, a, there's another scene where he is awkwardly explaining the reason that he's so worked up. Yeah. And he's constantly playing with his baseball bat, looking down it like it's a telescope. Mm-hmm. And like just all this big, bold, nervous energy acting. And oh my God, he, he I say this about almost everyone that's in Star Trek, but uh, him especially, I don't know how he is. He isn't the hugest star in the goddamn world. I know. And like, I think I watched the documentary that was on a while ago called The Captains. I think it was on Netflix yes. or something. Yeah. And basically he he's he just teaches at Columbia or NYU, I think. And he's just happy to be an acting teacher now and doesn't really do much else. Yeah, yeah. He he, uh, he doesn't do the, the conventions or anything like yeah. that. Uh, he's just happy to do what he does. Uh, and he's semi-retired now. He He's thankful for his time there. And, you know, but uh, yeah, you don't hear from him anymore. So let's let's go through the roster of the Niners baseball team for a yes. second here. The nine. Oh, oh, hold on. Yeah, you've got the hat. My, let me get my hat on. There we go. There Good. We go. All right. I got my Niners uh, hat. The equipment boy for the uh, for the Niners <laughs> baseball team is in the house. <clears throat> so we have Cisco the elder as the manager. Cisco yep. the younger as the stud pitcher. Yep. Jake Cisco as the pitcher. We have Nog behind the plate childhood yes. best childhood best friend of the uh, of the stud pitcher yes we have <laughs> wharf death to the opposition at first base uh wharf a man who it, it's important to note that we know from a previous episode killed a boy <laughs> while getting too enthusiastic playing soccer at the age of 13 right so we have this man <laughs> playing a game where he is threatening death yeah and i like i like to think that that is primarily the russian in him and has nothing to do with the klingon true okay yes all right Uh, so cisco starts at second base yep i can't remember is it lita is lita at short or is lita in the field Ben, i don't know what any of these positions are Fair enough. That was more of a, that was a, that was a rhetorical question. And then we have O'Brien starting at third base. And then in the outfield, we have uh, uh, Bashir and Ezri. Bashir and Dax and yeah. Kira. I don't know what Kira's doing. She's oh, no, Kira's at, Kira's at shortstop and then Lita's in the field. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. There are some, there are some changes because uh, Cisco eventually gets uh, tossed out of the game for making contact with the umpire which i'm gonna get to in a second don't you worry about it yes okay, um, good. <laughs> and so then uh o'brien tears his rotator cuff in practice so cisco uses his power as a military general essentially to reroute shipping routes in order to get his like his are they married at this point no no they aren't okay. even engaged yet right no. okay but they're so living he, together. He gets he gets his he gets his girlfriend Cassidy Yates to come in to play third base. Yes. Again, <laughs> abusing his power 
<laughs> so that he can play baseball. No, exactly. Yeah, it's awesome. During a catastrophic war. Look, I can't even I can't even pretend that I wouldn't do the same thing. Oh no, 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 no. I'm yeah. listen. <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a strategic critique. Yeah. It's not a personal one, because yeah. I get it. Yeah. Now, <laughs> what's interesting to me is that Cisco has chosen an entirely human slash human raised slash human passing team. Uh, yeah. Leaving the Ferengi on. Oh, no, I guess Nog is there. That's true. But leaving the two. Quark's there, too. Yeah, Quark's on the bench, though, is what I'm saying. He, he, he okay. doesn't get, to the, right, field right, right. He doesn't get yeah. to the field until crunch time. Right. And yes. then, of course, Rom comes in with the heroic moment at the end of the game. Yes. Um, after a really out of character tantrum on the part of Cisco, I thought during that uh, that practice. Oh, you mean when he kicked out uh, Rom? When he when he kicks Rom out of the out yeah of the thing. yeah yeah Rom, who's just so happy to be invited. Yeah. <laughs> and Rom like is such a sweetie. He just wants to have like a nice family time. He's yes. got his son. He's got his new wife there. Lita yep. wants, she's in. She's never heard of baseball before. She's never done no. any athletics other than I would assume dancing uh, because she's a Dabo girl. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things uh, that's, it's just so pure and so wholesome. And it came so out of, if you'll pardon the pun, left field for me. Uh, yes. That I was expecting that it was some kind of play on Cisco's part to like motivate Rom, but then it never that that shoe never dropped for me, and I was no. I was sort of a, I was sort of disappointed in that. And I don't know if it was before or it was after that um, he he finally tells uh, Cassidy, his partner, the reason why right this is so important to him, why he's obsessed with this. Mm -hmm. As it turns out, this is a like grudge from his uh, 20s when he was in the academy yeah. with this uh, Solok Vulcan. You can tell he's Vulcan by the fact that his uh, uh, name ends in a K sound <laughs> um, and starts with an S. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he literally <laughs> got so bad that he challenged this guy. Or, or rather, the, the Vulcan came to the bar. Yeah the Academy bar with other Vulcans to observe human uh, socialization rituals and then challenges Cisco to a debate about the pitfalls of humanity. Cisco getting drunker and drunker then challenges this Vulcan to a wrestling match, as we find out. <laughs> Vulcans, who it's explained, have three times the strength of humans and just gets the shit beaten out of them. Mm -hmm. He's so mad about it. And it's, 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 it's still eating away at him to this day. And, and he even says that uh, this Vulcan, this Solok guy, wrote five five research papers on human behavior based on that one frigging wrestling match. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest, I was watching this episode and I was like, this is a fun, low stakes episode. Yeah. And like, it doesn't matter to me why this is happening. I don't yeah. care. Let's all just buy into the fact that they're just going to play baseball in the middle of the biggest war that the galaxy's ever seen. Let's yeah, just yeah. buy into that for a second. Yeah. But then 
you know, Cassidy comes in and she's like, Benjamin, what the hell? Like, what, what's your problem? And then he has his big monologue where he's like, this is my tragic backstory trademark. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, okay, let's get into it. And then it turns out that his tragic backstory that's supposed to give this baseball game stakes is that he got drunk and picked a fight with a guy he had no business picking a fight with, got his ass kicked, and is still salty about it like 30 years later. Yeah. And like, completely reasonably so in a way. Yeah. I mean, like, Vulcans live for over 200 years, and tormenting Cisco is how this asshole spends his time. Yeah, right. <laughs> but but like but still like to my like to me though i'm like i would almost have preferred if there wasn't any reason for it like if there wasn't any like stakes behind it necessarily like just like i was expecting him to be like he killed my brother or like he like got me kicked out of the academy or like like something but like just the yes. fact that it just culminated in like a, an ill ill-advised wrestling match i was kind of like all right, fine. And five research papers. And five research papers where he just talked smack about that wrestling match and yes. the introduction paragraph of each one of them. But his ass beat by a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> and then what I think, I mean, we've gotten to the point now where I think this episode is like 25 years old. We could talk about the ending to it. Oh, yeah. He still gets his ass kicked. Yeah, he loses. The whole and, team loses. Yeah, and like, and not, like not even close. No, no. Yeah. I didn't know what any of those numbers meant, but I knew they were bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sam, so in the game of baseball, one wants to score more <laughs> runs than the other team. <laughs> ah, yeah, okay. All right, all right. <laughs> Did you notice? I got, I, I didn't remember this, uh, even though I've watched this episode like at least a dozen times. I never noticed on the board the name of the Vulcan team. It's the Logicians. <laughs> Oh my god, these guys, these guys are like early 2010s internet atheists. <laughs> if you don't present an argument with logic, boy, boy. They're literally Ricky Gervais as a Vulcan baseball team. <laughs> they are, except for they're not going <laughs> in people's faces as they do so. <laughs> I I'm love the audio there. <laughs> I love um, the moment where the Vulcan is running from home to home from third base, and Nog gets the ball but doesn't tag him, but he doesn't touch home plate. Yes, and Nog and Odo are like staring at each other, and Odo's like trying to give him a hint without violating the rules. Yeah, and then Nog is like trying to figure out what happened, and so he has to go to the dugout and tag each individual Vulcan sitting on the bench. And they're no, you just- you can't tell. No, because they all look the same. Each other. <laughs> they all have no, the I bowl was, like, cut. Same. Yeah, honestly though. And like, so he has to go down and tag all of these Vulcans sitting there emotionlessly on yep. the bench, watching this poor Ferengi just <laughs> Walk down Each the bench. time he's looking behind him to go yeah. like, is this the one? Yeah. <laughs> is this the one? And then and then Worf's there just going, find him and kill him. Yes, find him and kill him. Again. <laughs> the threat of murder from a man who has killed people in sport before. <laughs> God, I love Worf. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. You, you just know that after the game, he went to Quark's bar and just had a nice tall prune juice. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. In one of those, in one of those giant, stupid metal Klingon flagons. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to give a quick shout out to Armin Shimmerman because his work is quirk. Like he's wearing this makeup and he's playing such like a broad character in a lot of ways, but he does it just so like his he's so small in the role. And like, he's yeah. so, it's effortless and it's beautiful and it's really easy. He's just so good. He, Ar Armin Schumann, uh, he, I loved his approach to the character uh, just across the entire series. Like, Quark is the first, uh, well, maybe the second, there was one other uh, 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 Ferengi in uh, TNG, but uh, basically he's the first uh, Ferengi that we ever see that carries himself with pride. Yep. Whereas every other Ferengi is like hunched over and like scheming hands <laughs> all the time and like walking like they've got a stick up their butt. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, my, my, honestly, much like Rom does yeah. for most of the show as well. But Rom, Rom has a beautiful journey in this series. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. He, again, he like, well, he starts out in, in the first or second season as a character that will literally try to murder his brother for a bar. Right. And being uh, uh, ashamed of his son for trying to uh, learn to read um, instead of amassing profit. Right. Uh, as the uh, rules of acquisition uh, tell them to. And then he becomes a literal union forming <laughs> socialist. <laughs> he brings Dad in the space the communism he brings in yes, the space communism yeah. he does and it like he's just this beautiful character that like he he casts aside the shackles of his own culture yeah to become like he's like oh no i've just been always, always been a sweetie why don't i just be a sweetie <laughs> and he he decides he marries a bajoran he gets a lot of human friends and uh you know yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about perhaps my favorite character in the show, uh, our friendly neighborhood fascist cop. He's uh, so excited to enforce rules in a new way. Yeah, I just, I, <laughs> I love that scene where Cisco comes to him and is like, I want you to be the umpire for this game. And Odo like turns around and he's like, the umpire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you would just have to learn the rules and enforce them. And he's like, well, why don't you get a hologram to do? And he's like, no, 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 no. I need an organic touch to this. You know, yeah. I don't want any binary code, anything. And he is so honored by the fact that Cisco comes to him because he is boring and rigid. Yeah. In his <laughs> approach to enforcement. And I love, I love that thing where he's like, the game's in two weeks, so you have plenty of time to work on your moves. And then he leaves, and, and, Odo just, and Odo just goes, my moves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's a stinger to commercial right yeah, there. Yeah, What? <laughs> and then, like, after commercial comes back, Kira walks by the security office, and he's, like, rehearsing his yes. moves. And he's just adorable. <laughs> Safe. <laughs> and again He's, like Renee Aubergenois is like a classically trained unbelievable actor he 
Here's a mash for Christ's sake. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. He's amazing. Like all of these literal Shakespearean actors. Yeah. That just, I mean, especially the, 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 the folks with the, all the, all the makeup on yeah. their faces, like they have to, like, they know how to act for the back of the room, mm -hmm. which is especially important when you can't move your eyebrows right. or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And my big takeaway from this episode, I think, and, and maybe I'll, I'll ask you about yours in a second, but the idea is, I think about Field of Dreams being a story about a father and a son and how baseball is an intergenerational thing mm -hmm. uh, and ties families together. And, and in baseball, in, in a lot of these movies that I've been covering over this podcast, they seem to talk about how baseball is something bigger than what it actually is. And there's something almost spiritual about it, mm -hmm. right? And it, and, it, and it fosters a bond between parents and children. And I thought this episode did a really great job of showing that. So Cisco has taken this game and passed it down to Jake. Yeah. And then we also see sort of a new budding baseball romance between another father and son in Rom and Nog. Because yes. Nog is on third base when Rom gets the bunt to win the game. Yep. Right? And there's that beautiful moment of Nog just screaming enthusiastic support to his father yeah. that honestly like I get it again because it's Ferengi it's a, supposed to be a bit of a joke but I did oh, yeah. find my heart getting a little warm during it oh yeah and that to me yeah. is the magic of baseball yeah and and it, I absolutely love that and in the end like uh, Cisco gets kicked the hell out for mm -hmm. gently <laughs> But then so does Solok too, which I really yes. appreciated. Yeah. I oh I love the hell out of that. Yeah. Like he just does a oh what? Me? <laughs> I got kicked out. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, there, there's this moment um at the end of the episode after uh Cisco's kind of learned his lesson that like, you know what, like I'm the one that's allowing this to perpetuate. Right. I, the, my upset is what keeps bringing this horrible asshole mm -hmm. back. <laughs> and uh, Jake, his son, is uh, at the at Quark's bar with the, the whole team celebrating, even though they lost. Mm -hmm. And Jake's down on himself for uh, how poorly he did. Yeah. And Cisco, who's finally come back to reason, tells him, you know, hey, Listen, they were Vulcans who have been training for years and they have gen like literal genetic superiority. <laughs> um, and then, and then he, uh, you know, softens it up with just a little joke. And he was like, maybe if we were playing with a human team like that, you'd have only been such and such many points behind instead. Right, yeah. And then they both laugh and he goes and he gives them a peck on the cheek and Jake's face softens. Yep. I start crying. <laughs> <laughs> Without fail, every time. Yeah, like me too. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I will. This show, yeah. like, especially the the uh, the father son dynamic, mm -hmm. always always gets to me. And it's it's just such a a beautiful moment. And then it goes into <laughs> what is the toast? I made a note here. They do a toast for losing, just yeah. to bug. The Vulcans, specifically Solok, 
to manufactured triumph. <laughs> I love I love that Solok was like, you humans and you're like something, anyway, some hasty generalization about humans. And then Esri just sort of looks around and goes, did I not wear my spots today? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Quark is there. And yeah, he's Ron like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Quark, who's already started giving drinks to the entire bar yeah. before Cisco <laughs> says it's on his tab. He's already put it on. <laughs> How's that? That's what bugs me. Right there in that moment, I'm like, wait, this is a moneyless society of humans. <laughs> yeah. How the hell is Cisco paying for that? I guess they have operational funding. I don't I know. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, Sam, with all that in mind, there's only one thing left to do before we say goodbye, and that is to rate this episode. So what I usually do is I give each of us three strikes, and we have to rate the episode out of three. The more strikes, the better. Oh, the opposite. Yes, it's a oh, little okay. bit of a it's a little bit of a curveball, huh? Mm. As they say. Uh, so why don't you go first? Um, you have three strikes to play with. Oh yeah, no, no, it's getting three. Okay. Uh, it's absolutely getting three. Like I'm someone who, uh, absolutely delights in the stupid mm -hmm. and the silly and Star Trek. Uh, I, I know a lot of, uh, Star Trek fans, Trekkies, whatever, um, absolutely hate episodes like this. Or like, you know, when Q shows up or yeah. uh, Loxana Troy, you know, something, something mm -hmm. silly happens. But I absolutely love them. Yeah, they're probably my favorite too, because without them, we wouldn't get Worf staring down the barrel of a camera saying, I am not a merry man. <laughs> yes, exactly. And smashing a loot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, I just want to say this before, before, yeah, uh, but please. yeah, absolutely. I'm sticking by the three. This is one of my absolute favorite uh, episodes of the, the entire franchise. Mm -hmm. But this is something interesting that I found out while I was uh, uh, looking up some stuff about this episode. Rom, who is the shittiest player yep. on the entire Niners team, the actor who portrays him, Max Gradenchik, almost became a professional ball player. That is hilarious. Yes. So he had to, he was the only one on the entire cast that actually knew how to play baseball. <laughs> so he had to throw left-handed. No, okay. That's so funny. So that he looked like he was bad at it. <laughs> and that just blew my mind. I loved it. Anyways, I just that's awesome. to share that. No, that's great. Um, I'm also going to give it a three. Um, it's a weird amalgamation of two of my main interests that I kind of figured would never come into contact. And, mm. uh, for that alone, it's just a, it's got a really special place in my heart and I have to reward it with full marks. So, uh, let's make it official. Take me out to the hollow suite is sitting at a six out of six. Uh, oh, there we go. it is in, uh, it has joined two other, uh, pieces of film. Uh, in top spot on our big board of baseball uh, adaptations, I guess you could say. It is tied with- The Ball with, of Fame. Yeah, the Hall of Fame. It, it is tied with um, 
Homer at the Bat, the season three episode of The Simpsons. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And the classic movie, A League of Their Own. Oh, my God. That's such a great movie. Such a good movie. Every time I, I record one of these episodes, I want to watch it again. I literally wore out my uh, one section of my copy of the VHS tape of that movie. Oh, yeah? It's where the, oh, what's the, the chubby little kid's name? I forget his name. Um, but the little kid that travels with them. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Flares, yeah. He's mocking the team and <laughs> we're losing. And Tom Hanks grabs a glove and just fucking yeets it into this kid's face, knocking yep. him down. I could not breathe as a kid <laughs> laughing at that moment. And I would pop it in just to watch that moment. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh, just top down. The whole movie's perfect. Yes. Um, well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Thank you, Sam, for being here. Um, now, in terms of Charlottetown performing, I can't in good conscience say that there's someone who works harder than Sam McDonald. Oh, gosh. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't fishing for compliments, but I like <laughs> what I caught here. So why don't you give the good people that are listening to us here a rundown of where they might be able to find you in the coming weeks. <laughs> in the coming weeks. Um, well, uh, uh, in the coming weeks, uh, I'm going to be doing, um, uh, I always uh, am there for the uh, uh, Baba's Lounge all comedy open mic at, uh, conveniently enough, uh, Baba's Lounge. Uh, we started that about uh, three years ago. It's uh, I'm the, the first and uh, still only uh, uh, fully dedicated uh, comedy open mic, uh, you know, and now we have, uh we used to have only just a handful of uh comics and they were uh, they were great but now we have like <laughs> i know it doesn't sound like much <laughs> else. well you know we have like over 20 people that yeah. uh, that really perform regularly now. that's great i i've been to a handful of them myself and they're always a great time you, you yeah. put on a great show um and uh just announced literally today i have a a, a a show, uh, the Women's in uh, uh, Queer uh, Comedy Show, uh, coming up uh, next Sunday at uh, the Factory in Charlottetown, part of the uh, Winter Fest. Okay. Yeah. And um, in uh, on March 26th, uh, I have a, a, a new live episode of my show, uh, Amazing Tales of the Atlantic, a uh, which is a uh, an old-timey uh, radio play style uh, anthology series for modern-timey ears, as I uh, tag it. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we do live radio plays, live sound effects, all that stuff. Um, and that's going to be at the Guild. And then on uh, April 23rd, there's going to be another episode with new stories. Um, and right now, we're on a bit of a pause on this. But uh, uh, if you want to hear past tales uh, of the Atlantic, uh you can check out uh, our podcast, uh, Amazing Tales of the Atlantic, colon, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, and that's available wherever podcasts are casted. Yep, and uh, anchor.fm slash uh, uh, Amazing Tales of the Atlantic. Oh, another uh, anchor guy. We're anchor yes. people over here as well. Oh, yeah, I, I love anything that makes this far easier. <laughs> Thank you very much to our anchor overlords for uh, allowing people to do something with their lives during a pandemic yes and uh, uh anchor if you're listening please let me start monetizing in canada 
I know I'm only going to make a few cents, but come on. It's better than nothing. <laughs> well, Sam, I appreciate it so much. Um, if you're looking for guests for your Star Trek podcast, you know where to find me. Oh, no. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> well, uh, listeners, keep your ears peeled for that. I know I'm excited for it. Um, until next time, this has been Cracker Jack. I have been Benton Hartley. And you have been great. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and crackers, Jack. I 